The I Love You So Much podcast is proudly sponsored by Hilton. Discover Austin and choose from one of our many brands, including Hilton, Embassy Suites by Hilton, Doubletree by Hilton, Hampton Inn & Suites, and Home to Suites by Hilton. See more, save more. Stay at Hilton. Unlock local experiences at travel.hilton.com. Welcome to I Love You So Much, the Austin 360 podcast, a show for everyone caught up in an ongoing love affair with Austin, even if it's complicated. I'm Addie Broyles. And I'm Alyssa Vidalis, coming to you from the shores of Lady Bird Lake and the offices of the Austin American Statesman. In this week's episode, music writer Deborah Sengupta Stith and I chat with Elizabeth McQueen, a former member of Asleep at the Wheel. Elizabeth left the band to spend more time in Austin, where she ended up getting a job as a DJ at KUTX. But her interest in radio didn't end with having an afternoon shift spinning tunes. She wanted to find out more about the artists and the music that inspired them, so she started working on this song, a podcast that invites musicians to talk about a song that changed their life. For our recommendation segment, I Love This So Much, Addie shares her love of Cooking My Ear, a podcast hosted by former chef and e-chef Kyle Petternell. I waxed on about a video game called Donut County, which is a captivating video game where you play as a hole in the ground. And newsroom favorite Gary Dingus built this in on his new favorite Austin radio station, Hot 95.9 FM, which plays throwback hits from the 1990s. But first, let's hear from Elizabeth McQueen about the transformative power of music and her evolution as a DJ and podcast host. Elizabeth McQueen, welcome to I Love You So Much. Hey, thanks for having me. Thanks so much for being in the studio and congrats on your podcast. It's really a fantastic listen. Oh, thank you so much. I really like making it. This song has been around for about three years now. Tell us about how it got started. So I used to be in this band called Asleep at the Wheel. I was in the band for eight and a half years and we toured a lot. And for five of those years, I traveled with my children from the time my oldest daughter was six weeks old until she was about ready to go into kindergarten. Um, And we got off the road because we wanted her to be able to have like a semi-normal life. So when I got off the road, um, I didn't really know what I wanted to do next. And luckily I was able to get a job at KUTX and... Um, I started thinking about what kind of show I would want to do over there. I actually started brainstorming about it when I was still on the road. And my friend PJ Harrington and I came up with this idea, like what if you talk to musicians about songs that are important to them? Because a lot of what you do on the road, it's like before the gig or after the gig, you'll be sitting around like in the front lounge, just playing music at each other, stuff that you've heard and talking about why it's so good. So the idea was to try to capture those kind of conversations. Um, and so that's how the idea of this song was born. When Once we started doing it, I realized that an important song was too broad of a, of a parameter. Mm-hmm. And so we kind of narrowed it to a song that changed your life because that's what people were talking about anyway, mm-hmm. these songs that were really transformative. Mm. So that's kind of how it got started. Wow. So... Deborah, you wrote about this podcast when it launched. Yeah, yeah. And I'm really interested. uh, You've been doing it for a few years now. What are some of... Because when you're talking to musicians, you're not talking about their own work. You're talking about work uh, that influenced them. Right. And uh, what are some really surprising ones that have come up over the years? I feel like they're all really surprising. Like I just... um, The first episode of this new season, I talked to Jaime from Superfonicos. Mm Mm-hmm. And so he came in, Superfonicos is a Colombian, Afro-Colombian band. And I thought for sure it was going to be like an Afro-Colombian song. 
And he came in and he said, well, I, I want to talk about Gary Clark Jr.'s When My Train Pulls In. Oh, I love that song. So do I. But I was like, S- what? And so, <laughs> but it ended up, you know, I always think I know what people are going to talk about. And right. Rarely am I right. Right, right. I remember uh, back when we talked, uh, was it Big Boy who had a Leonard Cohen song? Oh, like- that was RZA. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Got it. Yeah, yeah. Super fascinating. So have you identified the song that you would talk about on your own podcast? I have thought about, there is a couple different songs. Like, um, I would definitely talk about, and this is the example that I give to musicians when I'm kind of explaining what it is. I would talk about the first time I heard Nina Simone's version of I Got It Good mm. and That Ain't Bad. There's um, there's this version. It was on some like weird off-brand tomato collection <laughs> that I just got on like e-music. Do you remember that? <laughs> and I was listening to it, to this song of this, to her version of this like standard song, but she sang it in such a way where it just like cut right to the core of who I was. And I still put on that song and I cry every time I hear that song. (laughs) It's like, if I need to process emotion, I will put on that song. But the thing that it taught me was that, you know, I'm a singer first and foremost, and a lot of my life I've been really focused on technical singing, like doing it right. Well, in this version, she, she hits some weird notes. It's not technically like the most amazing uh, vocal performance, but the emotion that comes through is so strong Mm. that you can't, you just feel what she's feeling and that it was like this light went off where it was like oh that's that's what it is like mm-hmm. that's what music is mm-hmm. it's not about getting it right it's about transmitting emotion in this really primal way so when you're talking with these artists you're talking about some really tender intimate parts about their lives you've talked recently about how your life you know you've been a musician traveling and and then a dj but being an interviewer is a new skill set for you (laughs) talk to me about these conversations that you're having with these artists um how do you get them to open up well um i mean a lot of it is just being open and having different conversations than they're used to having because they're used to kind of talking about themselves and i think every artist who's coming out with a record has a certain shtick but you're trying to get them to talk about um their creative process through like a, a different avenue. So that's, that's one of the things I used to not do a ton of research. I'm going to like tell you right out here or like I've, I've found that it's really good idea if you're going to interview someone to do a lot of research on them. Um, and especially to like, I used to not want to know what song they were going to talk about in advance. Uh, but now I, I ask them cause it's, it's better when I know. Right. You've also done some live interviews down at Waterloo records and uh, the, the, the format of the show, it comes out as a podcast now every week. Right. Um, but t- talk to me about these live podcast recording sessions that you do. Live shows are a little different. I got to talk to John Prine. I got to talk to um, Ethan Hawke and Ben Dickey. And um, I also got to talk to Israel Nash all at Waterloo Records. And if someone just comes into the studio and we're just talking, like I'll tell them, or if we're doing a phone interview, I'll tell them like, look, it doesn't matter where this conversation goes, we're just going to edit it down. So like, let's just talk when you're in a live situation, you have to be like even more prepared and you have to kind of go in knowing essentially what way you want the flow of conversation to go, or at least how you want to start it. Um, because it's more of a performance, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, so I guess that's, but I've been really lucky because the folks that I got to interview were just like 
great interviews. So well, and Ethan Hawke, he's a, maybe somebody you wouldn't have expected to show up on this song because you usually do musicians. Yeah. Yeah. Is he also a musician? Well, that was related to the movie. It was related to the oh, movie, which right. was all about music. That's yeah. right. That's right. And we didn't do an official this song. We just did an interview mm. with that. And that was another like, oh, if you're going to just like, and that's something that I have trouble with. Like if I can, I could talk to people about music and the songs that inspire them all day long. And I feel like I could probably do that with anyone just a straight up interview, like what you guys do. That's a totally different thing. I, I still feel like I have a lot to learn in that department. So speaking of live performances, uh, you're part of a very popular Austin holiday tradition that's coming up, right? The sing-along at the Capitol. Yeah, I've been lucky enough the last couple of years to be part of it. Um, one year, John was sick, and so I got to lead it. It was like a cold and rainy night at the Capitol. <laughs> there were 500 people there, and they were the most like uh, holiday-spirited 500 people you've ever met. And then last year, I got to actually back John up as he was doing this incredible performance in front of so many people. And it was so much fun to be a part of. And I get to do it again this year. When is that coming up? It's December 1st. So this is the one and only John Ailey. This is John Ailey. Who is a beloved, well, beloved Austin figure. He has his own bumper stickers. He He has has his own fake Twitter account. (laughs) (laughs) What's John Ailey like in real life? He's amazing. He's exactly like he is on the radio. And I think that he's one of the reasons that I love Austin. Like when I moved to town... Um, it was back when John Ailey was on the air for six hours a day. And I just absolutely fell in love with him. And I fell in love with Austin for being in love with him because I'd come from the East Coast and I'd, I I kind of knew that like there were very few places in America where John Ailey could not only be on the radio, but could be like, like a star on the radio. Mm-hmm. And it made me so proud of Austin. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of the reasons I love Austin. So and you guys just did some fundraising together. We did. I got to hang out with him every morning. It was so much fun. Like, yeah. I want to know more about life as a DJ. I mean, you did countless interviews with DJs when you were a musician. You listened to the radio as a kid and as an adult. What's it like being on the other side of the mic? You know what? It's like, I always liked when I was performing. I didn't get to do it so much with the sleep at the wheel, but when I was doing my own thing, I always liked kind of the banter aspect of performing in front of people. And that's what being a DJ is, except that there's no one there. So you, you can really tell like the corniest jokes <laughs> ever that only you think are funny and like hope that people like them, you know, but mm-hmm. I, I really love it. It gives me an outlet. I don't really play out that much anymore, so I don't get to do that, but I do get to go in at least once a week and play music for people that I know that they're going to like and, and talk to them. And so that's essentially what being a DJ is and like share stuff with them. What are uh, some what are some local artists that you're excited about that you've discovered through working at the station? Oh my gosh, I feel like I mean we our artist of the month for November is Zeta Jewel, um, and I've been following Megan Carney for a while, but I just I love that I love her new band. I'm a big fan of Mobley. I I'm so proud that we're playing the new Tamika Jones song. Um, I mean, I feel like there's such a focus on local music that I discover a lot of a lot of local music that I wouldn't normally get keyed into because I have two kids and I don't go out as much as I used to. Um, And I also get to get turned on to things that maybe I wouldn't know, you know, I wouldn't get turned on to otherwise. I'm trying to think of some of my favorite, like I probably would have never listened to Kurt Vile. He's got this new song called One Trick Ponies that I absolutely adore. Like every time I just talked about it today, every time I hear it, I'm, I'm like, I love 
love this song. He just talks about all his friends who he loves. So there's, that's a huge benefit of working at KTX. And do you really get to spin the songs that you want to play? It's about 50-50. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely songs that are in rotation, which mm-hmm. is pretty standard. But we have a lot of, um, a lot of flexibility as far as what most DJs get to play. Mm-hmm. We get to choose a lot of our own music, and that's, that's huge. The eclectic mix is really a definitive characteristic of that station and part of what makes it really wonderful. Yeah, yeah, I love it. I love it. And I feel like it's getting like more and more eclectic. Like we're pulling from a lot of different places and going into a lot of different genres. It makes me um, excited, you know? So you were one of the first podcasters out of KUTX and KUT. Now the stations have a few others, but you're also involved in sort of a budding uh, female podcasters group. Well, yes, and I, I will say that um, there's Rebecca McEnroy at KUT. There were a lot of KUT podcasts. I'm I'm one of the first KUTX podcasts, although Song of the Day has been around for a long time. Austin Music Minute has been around for a long time. Um, but Rebecca McEnroy over at KUT is like a force of nature. She does like five podcasts. List hers off. She's got Two she's Guys got on Your Head. Two Guys on Your Head, which just won the Best of Austin Chronicle poll for Best Ooh, Podcast. Congrats. She's awesome. got The Secret Ingredient. She does Views and Brews, which is a live show that also is a podcast. She's got a poetry podcast called This Is Just a Say with Carrie Fountain. Um, she does Liner Notes, uh, which is a jazz feature that runs on Sunday mornings on Jay Trachtenberg's show. She does a ton. But yeah, and... Um, because of her and having finding community with her and wanting to connect with other podcasters, me, along with Casey Slater and you, we've all started this new thing called Austin Lady Pods, which is really fun. It's a group of female lady podcasters who get together and, you know, talk about podcasting and help each other out. So we've had a couple of very informal get togethers. Yes. But it's been so fun to meet other podcasters in this city who are doing I mean, one was um, on Complex Systems. Yeah. yeah. Pod- and then there was another podcast about Taylor Swift songs. Which is a great podcast. Holy or Swift. Like- <laughs> great name. I know. Or um, Scene with Miranda Wiley, which is like such a good podcast. Or there's a, there's a, a gardening podcast called Hot House, which is, it's all about gardening, but also like capitalism. I mean, it's so good. There, people are making some really cool stuff. So what podcasts are you listening to these days? These days, actually, with the election, I'm trying to not... I can only listen to music, Mm -hmm. honestly. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm trying to cut down the noise, but I do have a playlist that I listen to a lot. But if I do listen to podcasts, I think the first podcast I will turn on is The Read, Mm. because that makes me really happy and makes me feel great. I've also been listening to this podcast called Manic Rambling Spiral, which is about single parenthood. Uh, <laughs> I've heard that one too. It's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I'm, what else? Oh, and I've gotten into Buffy the Vampire Slayer podcast because I'm a huge Buffy the Vampire Slayer fan. And there are people who, who like do these podcasts where they go through every episode. And I'll probably start watching that whole series again because of these podcasts. It's so amazing to me to think about how podcasting is changing, how we consume not only the podcast, but other forms of media or just how we think and pursue our own niche interests that you can go pretty deep on any Venn diagram of your of yourself that you have. There's also a great podcast that um, one of the reporters at KUT produces called her name's Delia Jones, and the podcast is called To and Fro, and it's about 
the experience of being an African-American woman from the South in America. And it's, it's, it's fabulous. I love that too. Love that. Well, I, I just was going to ask uh, what music you're listening to lately. If you've got what's on your playlist. Well, Deborah, I think you can understand that I'm listening to a lot of Janelle Monáe. Oh, God, but... I love her so much. <laughs> you guys can just fangirl out for a second. And I would love to listen to this conversation specifically about her. Okay. So after seeing her performance at ACL Fest and then seeing her live taping at, for Austin City Limits. I just, I, it was like I was transformed. Like all of a sudden I understood like what I needed in my life. And it was the music of Janelle Monet to help me get through everything I need to get through. You know? That was actually when that album came out. I mean, I, I feel like there's such a radiant positivity to it. In, in a radiant positivity in the face of adversity. And, or as a reaction to adversity. And that's, I mean, part of why that album resonated so much with me. But you got to talk to her during ACL. Tell me about what that was like. I'm still jealous. Oh, I'm, I'm trying to get past it, working past it. <laughs> she was just really lovely. I mean, I, I was just able to tell her how empowered I felt watching her and, you know, just ask her about where she was coming from. And, and what she said was like, she just saw that these, communities that she was a part of were being so marginalized that she really, you know, the LGBTQIA community um, and black women and it like everything was being so marginalized that she just wanted to make an album where she could celebrate and empower these people who she felt like needed it. And I feel like it just extends out to all of us, you know? Yeah. So I, I was really happy to talk to her. It was the coolest five minutes of my life. <laughs> was that an ACL, lifetime ACL highlight for you? That was a lifetime ACL yeah. highlight. Well, right Deborah there. told me she's like, I, I never see the same artist more than once in a week. And you saw her. I saw her three times three in times. two weeks. Yeah. I, and bought the hat. Yeah, I, I'm not wearing the hat today. I've been wearing the hat a lot. But uh, I, uh, yeah, it was. I, I just feel like she's such an amazing performer and she's evolved so much. I mean, she's always been a great performer because I saw her when she was the last time she was in town, which I believe was the arc android tour and that was also this really really amazing show but i do feel that you know since she started her own label and has kind of like a compound in atlanta where they all do yoga together and you see feel that in her crew the the dancers that she brings on stage with her that they have that kind of kinship among them that you can tell they work really closely together year round so yeah and i've been playing my music or I've been playing her music for my girls too, mm-hmm. especially the song, like you got the juice. And so I'll be like, we just, we'll, we'll just yell like, you got the juice like, <laughs> at each other. So my kids, I want them to know that they have the juice. Yeah. Mine uh, asked me to explain the song pink to them, which was a little <laughs> bit on the awkward side. But um, I think I said something about how, you know, boys have, blue and we, we're girls and we have the pink and that's cool too so yeah something like that <laughs> so elizabeth uh my last question for you just you've, you've lived in austin you've toured out of austin now you're here more than you know for more weeks of the year than you ever have been i just kind of want to get your thoughts on how you've seen the city change and uh you know we've got these festivals that are growing and um more people are moving here and you guys have wider listenership than you've probably ever had is the city still holding on to what you always loved about it? What What do you see? What do you see that's changing that you're really into? Um, you know, it's really interesting because I feel like when I moved here and I I got here in 2000, moving from the East Coast, finding Austin, like I felt like I had, um, like I pulled one over on the system. 
like I'd found a place that like wasn't money oriented, but was full of creative people and where you could live affordably and where people's ambitions were just so different from mainstream American culture that it, it felt really great. Um, and so I, I see the changes in Austin and I think that there are a lot of upsides, but it does make me kind of sad sometimes. Like I wonder how the next generation of creatives is going to be able to afford to live here. And, and not just, you know, it's not just creatives, like how anyone is going to afford to live here mm-hmm. who doesn't, you know, have a certain economic status. And I feel like part of what else, what made Austin great. And we're, we're just now kind of understanding the impact of um, like what racial segregation and economic segregation has done to this city. But we're just having this realization right as people are getting priced out on a massive scale. Mm-hmm. And so I, um, I'm hoping that the city, you know, the people in the city can come together and find some way to mitigate this trend because it would be very sad if Austin ended up being a prohibitively expensive city, you know, on the level of a San Francisco or a, a New York. Um, so I'm hoping... Well, thanks so much for doing all you do to keep Austin's weird spirit alive. And the creative spirit, most certainly. (laughs) Thanks so much for joining us, Elizabeth. Thanks for having me. We've come to the portion of the podcast where myself and Alyssa and a special guest are going to talk about things we're really into right now. We call this I Love This So Much. Gary Dingus is our special guest this week. Gary, tell us, what are you into these days? Hey, guys and gals. Uh, I am into our newest radio station here in Austin. We, you might not even know, got a new radio station on uh, Halloween. Kind of an interesting day to do that. But uh, 95.9 R&B has switched over to Hot 95.9, and they are now doing uh, throwback hits from the 90s and the early 2000s, like Alicia Keys and Beyonce and Snoop Dogg and stuff like that. And I personally am loving it, and everybody who I know is a big radio fan here in town is liking it as well. I even had, this is completely random, but I even had a uh, news anchor over at Spectrum News the other day who was like, thank you for telling me about this. I absolutely love this. This is great. Um, it, and they're doing 95-minute blocks of commercial-free music, which if you listen to commercial radio, you know that's kind of a big deal. Absolutely. I think it's cool that it's something that you are personally interested in, but also professionally. You've covered the radio and TV industries here for a long time. So from your perspe- your professional perspective, what does this move say about Austin? Um, I mean, it, it's, it's a company that owns a lot of radio stations across the country. They have similar formats in other cities. They're owned by Intercom, uh, which also owns Mix and Magic and Talk 1370. Uh, but um, they apparently felt that uh, this new format would be more lucrative than the old format, which was actually doing pretty well and was beating some of our established radio stations. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, we recently had another format switch when uh, KGSR switched over to ACL radio. Um, They're playing stuff that kind of is similar to what they used to play, but more similar to what you would be hearing if you tuned into the ACL TV show on uh, PBS stations around the country. And then we also, earlier this year, uh, lost 97.5 Pride Radio, which was the LGBT station. They are owned by iHeart Media, which used to be Clear Channel. 
and they flipped over to Alt 97.5, which is another national format, kind of like uh, Hot 95.9, and their specialty, of course, with the name like Alt is Alt. <laughs> it seems like it's targeted towards probably millennials and Gen Xers. Well, that's the concerning throwback hits from the 90s. I love it. I when was you told alive. me this, I was laughing. <laughs> oh, my God. Are they playing like lit or like oh well ja rule was playing when i looked at the website the other day oh Oh, there are so many people who have been saying (laughs) on social this makes me feel so old i didn't think i was old why are we thinking the 90s and like 2005 or suddenly throwbacks but i mean think about it for a minute if if it's 2018 if we go to 2000 that's 18 years if Uh. we go to 90 that's 28 years. Ugh. I kind of get it. Oh, I get but it. But at the yeah. same time, I totally feel it when people say that's making me feel old. Because just as I'm saying this right now, it's making me feel old. Well, when we were kids in the 90s, what were the oldies and throwback stations then? It was the classic rock from mm-hmm. the 70s. And even oldies at that time was like music from the 50s and 60s. Yeah. So pretty soon, this is going to be the oldies station. Exactly. <laughs> well, and that's the thing. Like a, a lot of the oldies stations around the countries used to be 50s and 60s. And you'd have people like my parents who were all about it. But uh, the station owners want to go for the more lucrative demographics, Mm -hmm. and so they keep inching it forward. And so now, like the traditional oldies stations, and I'm doing finger quotes even though you can't (laughs) see it, uh, those are 70s and 80s, and we're getting real close to inching into the 90s on an oldies station, if you can imagine that. This goes the thong song will now be an oldies. Seriously. like a matter of years. (laughs) Thong, 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 thong. Oh, my gosh. Carrie, that's a great thing to be into right now. Alyssa, what are you jamming on? Um, n- not, not that, but in a weird way, uh, yeah, kind of actually, um, speaking of which though, what were the numbers for that radio station? 95.9 on, uh, it's a lower power station. So if you're a little further out from center city, it might be hard to get, but they do stream on their website okay. and, uh, you can find them on social as well. Cool. Good to know. Um, in a weird way, I am kind of jamming on some new music that is in a video game, which I'm suggesting because, you know, it's been a really kind of chaotic month and if not like a chaotic time. And I found myself like less binging on shows and more just like letting myself loose to play a video game. And a lot of the video games I like are just storytelling, you know, just world immersive. And the game I'm loving right now is called Donut County. <laughs> and that is a game created by Ben Esposito. And it actually had a presence here at Fantastic Arcade, which is kind of like the indie game arm of Fantastic, you know, Fest back in uh, 2004. 14 I believe and so when I started playing it, it is was that really a throwback <laughs> yeah, back in the days when I was like so young um, <laughs> but you play as a, as a hole in the ground and follow me here like it's just p- deployed and more things are in your path and so you the more you like put something in the hole your hole gets bigger so you move the hole in front of something it falls in there and your hole gets bigger yeah and so all and you're then you doing get a massive just, hole yeah a massive hole <laughs> And it's less a story about, yeah, you're a hole in the ground, but there's this whole like storyline to it. There's a girl named Mira and a talking raccoon named BK. And so... (laughs) Who doesn't like a talking (laughs) raccoon, right? Yeah. And the story kind of begins at the end and like this town of people like are just stuck in like 995 feet below Donut County because they all fell through a hole. And through this gameplay, you're starting to like figure out how everyone got down there. And it's actually more of a story about Los Angeles and gentrification, (laughs) <laughs> and, and also like just realizing you know sometimes you can be kind of a jerk and it's it's so i don't know that it's so pleasant and all the colors are kind of like pastel and like there's puzzles involved and stuff but the thing about it is like it's it can all be done like one day 
And the soundtrack to it, which is kind of like tying into jams, is so good. I've been listening to it all for like the past week on Spotify. Oh, it's even when tr- you're not playing the game. Yeah, no, it's That's crazy. It's not. It's not a video. Like when you think of video games, you think of like doo 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 and like chip tune and stuff. But this is like very atmospheric. There's like it's mostly guitar. And it's just really such a great game. So and is it like soothing or? It's soothing, but it's also just like, you can just listen to it with, like, with, the, with your windows down, mm-hmm. like down the 405 or something, <laughs> if you're <laughs> down, down in LA, if you weren't stopped. <laughs> or but, on Mopac. Right, exactly. But all to say is that Donut County is currently twelve ninety nine on PS uh, PlayStation. And other atmospheric games that people might want to try are like Burling Man at Sea, which is actually free right now for PS for uh, subscribers on PlayStation. That had a presence here at South by Southwest Gaming in 2016. And just really kind of like get lost in these um, video games that just kind of tell a story. Like uh, Donut County is made by Anna Annapurna Interactive, which some people might recognize the name from Annapurna Films. And I don't know, like just emotional storytelling video games that can get done in like one sitting. Like Florence, Donut County, Burley Man at Sea, Monument Valley. They're just really great right now. I only know about two video games, and those are Fortnite and Minecraft. And I can tell you which one, or whose music I prefer, and it's the Minecraft. It's so soothing. I mean, my it niece is and nephew really? are obsessed with both those and Minecraft you know the music and Fortnite. In the oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The last time I went home to visit my niece and nephew, uh, my nephew Mason, he's eight, obsessed with Fortnite. Mm-hmm. He had me sit there and watch. Mm-hmm. And he was explaining everything. And I'm like, mm. I, I don't understand any of this, but you go, Mason. Excellent work. I'm starting to learn the lingo like GG is good game. Oh, GG. <laughs> and, and they talk about getting the dub, which is getting the win. <laughs> getting the what? Getting the dub, oh, which no. is getting the win. Which is That's kind of like w- when people call George W. w- Bush W, w right? No. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm allowing myself <laughs> I'm so to out of like enjoy it. So sure, um, yeah. All right. Well, I'll wrap the second, uh, this segment with a recommendation for a podcast that I've been loving called Cooking by Ear. It is, um, it's only had one season. It launched earlier this year. The second season will be dropping here pretty soon. And it's actually from a chef um, named Cal Paternal. He used to work at Chez Panisse out in Berkeley. And he teamed up with a producer to uh, basically find people who either love to cook or don't like to cook and cook with them. But these are not necessarily foodie people. And cook with them and have a really interesting conversation while they cook. So the first guest was Francis McDormand. And and then the last guest of the season was Tommy Pico. And so and so Francis McDormand, we know, Tommy Pico is a Native American poet who actually hates to cook. Oh. And what I love about the show is that it's not a recipe tutorial, although you can learn cooking things while they're cooking and you're hearing them chop and you're hearing him give the guest advice on how to cook better. But what is really interesting is that he's a really curious cook who doesn't only know food. He understands society and culture and um, just all the things that make a country, a country and a people, a a person, a person. And so like the Tommy Pico episode really got into what is culture and how Native American culture has been lost in this country and how someone like him, you know, the earliest roots of his tribe, he actually, Tommy Pico, like I said, doesn't cook and they they made him a morning after frittata because he writes a lot about hookup culture. He's a millennial poet. (laughs) And so, uh, but they were talking about, you know, he's having to make culture on behalf of his people because his culture had been wiped out and it was just a, the food and the cooking is just a portal for them to talk about much more interesting deeper philosophical things and so in 45 minutes you're just getting all these layers of information it was just so much more than a cooking show I thought it was literally going to be like here's how you cook risotto but it was Francis McDormand talking about the power of theater and art and performance and 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 you know like cooking 
theater is an ephemeral art. And so they were making parallels between the theatrical experience and cooking. So Cooking Ooh. by Ears, the podcast, Cal Pedernal is the name of the chef who does it. And uh, that's my recommendation for this week. So is that like uh, driving in cars for like foodies and people who like to cook, essentially? That's uh, a good comparison. It could be a driving in car. Wait, driving in cars. Co- you mean like comedians in cars? Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. That's actually, the Seinfeld that's a good, that's a good comparison. Okay. Um that's, that's the vibe I was getting. That show is so amazing. Yeah, they do get into so much more. Um, and that show is so witty and they're so quick on their feet, which I would say this is too. Um, and they're both, I think, require more production than I think the viewer realizes as they're put together. Uh, mm-hmm. I think the guests on Comedians with Cars um, are probably a little bit more well-known in some ways because um, there are just, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of discovery, especially with the second season that Cal's working on, where it's not necessarily famous people that he's cooking with. But uh, the meat, if you will, uh, is the intersection of their the interests. The meat in a cooking the meat, show. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, but Cal, I just found Cal, I interviewed him a couple weeks ago for a story that's going to run sometime in the next few weeks. And I just found him to be a really um, interesting, engaging cook. And, you know, I, I'm as a food writer and a, I do call myself a foodie, we can be pretty annoying <laughs> <laughs> in terms of like our enthusiasm for food and the nerdiness that we bring to it. Um, but he recognizes that and it's not such a blind spot for him. And so I re- can really respect that. But um, oh. it's been a while since I found a new podcast that I like. So awesome. I wanted to share that awesome. one. Um, well, thanks guys for sharing what you're into this week. And uh, we'll see you soon, Gary. Later. And that's our show. Thanks for listening. And thanks for our sponsor, Hilton Austin. Our theme music is provided by local band Hardproof. To keep up with us online, we're Love Austin 360 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. If you get a chance, please leave us a review on iTunes. It helps other people find our podcast. I love you so much. The Austin 360 podcast is a production of the features staff at the Austin American Statesman, and the show is produced by Alyssa Vidalis and Addie Broyles. You can find everything you'd ever want to know about this show and its contributors at austin360.com slash loveaustin360. And if you want to pitch us an idea for the show or give us some feedback, shoot us a note at loveaustin360 at statesman.com or leave us a voicemail at 512-912-2504. We couldn't do the show without you, dear listeners, and we can't thank you enough for lending us your ears, your comments, and your winter gloves with phone-compatible swiping fabric on the fingertips. Until next week, we'll see you cheering on UT at their last home game of the season.